So I thought the day after Christmas, what better thing to talk about this anticlimactic day than what might be the most important part of Christmas? What are we going to do tomorrow? What are we going to do today? The day after Christmas is about so much more than the day after Christmas sells. And as I was trying to figure out, what am I going to talk about the day after Christmas? Assuming that so many people wouldn't be here because they all also are in food comas or, you know, whatever else has happened. What can we talk about on this day after Christmas? And as I was reading the Christmas story, I came across Luke chapter, I mean, I didn't come across, but I read it and it hit me different. Have you ever had that where it hits different? You're just like, oh, I hadn't paid attention to that before. That's me today. So we're going to go to Luke chapter 2. And uh, here in a moment, I'll read that. But also, if you want to go to the, the notes for today's message, you can go to the church app and look in there for the uh, message notes for today. Navigate your way to that. Verses 17 through 20. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Um, one of the things that I'm working on, which is, it seems like I've studied a lot about personalities recently. So for my personality type, um, waiting is not a strength. I don't do well waiting. Um, I'm not a ponderer, you know, to just sit around and think about. Now I have friends that are like that and you probably do too. Maybe some of you are. And you can just sit around and you can just ponder for hours and just think about. I have a, a friend of mine who graduated. He got his PhD in philosophy. Uh, first of all, who does that? You know, <laughs> six years of PhD work. He got his doctor, his PhD in philosophy. And so we'll be sitting around talking and like he can wear me out because we can just, he can take me down this, he'll call it a, a mind experiment and I'm like, or a thought experiment. It's an, it is a mind experiment, a thought experiment. And we'll go down this rabbit trail of a thought experiment. And I'm like, I don't even know where we're at anymore. You know, like it'll mess me up. But it, it reminds me of this verse. That's where I want to start at. Some nuggets from today's scripture <coughs> about what after Christmas looks like. Because that's really what's happening here, right? Um, when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them. about. So they saw Jesus. He had been born. The Christmas celebration. And then what? All right. So verse 19. That's where I want to start. And it says, Mary treasured and pondered. She treasured and pondered these things in her heart. You know, I have learned uh, and I am working on a doctorate of ministry and the, the focus of my studies is in, is how spiritual formation impacts leadership. But that idea of spiritual formation, it, it does involve, and this is one of the reasons I wanted to go there, it, it does involve a lot of thinking and a lot of waiting. Um, my mentor, who you've heard me talk about him, Pastor Bob, he lives in a mountain, he's off grid, he's 80 something years old, and I went to visit him in Colorado. And um, he sat me in a chair and he said, I want you to look at this mountain for an hour. <laughs> what? <laughs> and then what? You know, he, and he gave me some instruction. I want you to ponder, to think about, to reflect on, and to wait on God. 
And we think to ourselves, wait on him to do what? Because in today's world, everything's, you know, high, uh, high paced, fast paced. It's high energy. We're moving and we're going and there's somewhere. You know, it used to be that even if you wanted to watch a movie, you had to wait for the movie to come out. And then, but now we got Netflix and even they're starting to release movies the same day as in theaters. Like we live in a society where there just is no waiting. I've talked about it before. If you want a um, pot pie, you can put it in the microwave. Have a pot pie really quick. I love pot pies. There's, you know, there's all of these things in our society that have sped up. We've lost the art of waiting, of thinking, of pondering. After Christmas, after the celebration, I think it's a great time to reflect on everything that we've seen and we've heard about who Jesus is. How many times have you heard the Christmas story? Probably everybody here has heard it a lot. My kids heard it twice. Once on Christmas Eve here for our Christmas Eve service. And then the next morning, as a family tradition, we always read it. And we talk about what it means. And trying to steer people away from this idea that gifts is what's the most important thing. <coughs> I'll bet many of you today could come up here and almost verbatim tell the story of Jesus' birth like we read it out of Luke almost every year. Or every year. I bet you've heard it so many times. And this is one of the problems. We have to be careful because we, we have to guard ourselves from becoming calloused to the truth. It's like um, when, when you do something with your hands over and over. And I don't know if different people have different hands, I know, but you get calluses on your hands. If you're working out or if you're working in the field or if you're a, a construction worker, whatever, you get... Well, the same thing happens to our hearts. Our hearts become calloused and impenetrable because we're, we've heard the story so many times. Because we're always thinking uh, and always moving and never stopping. <coughs> Have you ever heard the saying, familiarity breeds contempt? Familiarity breeds contempt. It is what happens when we are with something and it's the same thing over and over. This is one of the reasons we have to guard our relationships. Husbands and wives, pay very special attention to your relationship with your spouse. Brothers and sisters, pay very, atten very special attention to the relationship with your siblings. Because familiarity breeds contempt. It's one of the reasons that we're so easily able to be nice to people that we don't know but we're not nice to the people we know the most. Can we respond to the Christmas message about, by pondering in a new way? In, in a way that makes our heart pliable to the story of Jesus once again? You know, I heard a story about a chauffeur who had driven a chemistry professor to dozens and dozens of speaking engagements. That was his job. His job as a chauffeur, hung out with it, this uh, crew and he was driving the chemistry professor to the speaking engagements over and over. And he heard this speech the professor gave dozens of times. And in one of their conversations, bantering one time, the chauffeur tells the professor, hey, I bet I can give that speech as good as you can. The professor was like, I don't think you can. And he's like, yes, I can. And the professor says, all right, bet me. So they had a friendly wager and the chauffeur says, you're on. 
Chauffeur stopped the car. They swapped clothes. So the chauffeur now had the nice tuxedo on. They got to the venue. He sat at the head of the table and then was introduced as the chemistry professor before too long. He stood up and he gave the speech exactly like he had heard it so many times before. Everybody was in awe like they were at all of the professor's speeches. The MC got up and he said, you know, we are so fortunate to have such a mind with us today. And you know what? We have time left over. So why don't we give the professor some uh, opportunity to answer some questions. <laughs> the first person got up and asked a question and the, the chauffeur acting as a professor was saying, he had that deer in a headlight look. <coughs> Didn't know exactly what he was going to say. And he starts to nervously glance around and then he has an idea and he says, you know what? That's really a dumb question. <laughs> it's so dumb, I bet my chauffeur could even answer it. <laughs> so he had a chauffeur stand up and answer the question for him. You see, just because we know the story doesn't mean we know the story. The Christmas traditions that we have are pretty strange. I mean, really, at what other time of the year do we sit around looking at a dead tree, eating candy out of a sock? Right? If you, I mean, if you think about the base of it, it's a strange tradition that we have. But there's so many things about the original Christmas story that don't make sense either. Things that really are strange. I mean, think about this. A young virgin girl gets pregnant. She's visited by angels. They go to Bethlehem where there was no room for them to sleep. Jesus, who is the Savior of the world, is born in a stable. Therese and I are big fans of the show The Chosen. I don't know if you guys have, some of you probably have seen The Chosen. They have a Christmas, a special Christmas episode. I don't know if you've watched it. And so we, it's in the theaters, I think, even now still. And we watched it yesterday for the first time, this Christmas episode. And I was just reminded of everything that was happening that was so special in this moment that Jesus was born. He was, rat, you know, the, the swaddling clothes that they used likely was the cloths that they would wrap newborn sheep in. They laid him in a feeding trough. And, and we say this, but if you've ever been to a, a ranch of any sort where they have animals. You know what a feeding trough looks like. It's just crazy, right? All of this is so incredible, but we really don't ever take time to ponder it, to think about it. C.S. Lewis said, we don't need to be told new ideas so much as we need to be reminded of old truths. It's not new ideas that we need. It's a reminder of the the old truth. And let's not forget the true meaning of Christmas. God gave himself for us. Jesus, who is God, was born as a person so that he might be um, able to allow us to be reborn into his kingdom. That baby born in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago is the savior of us all. Our prayer this, this morning should be, God, help us to never forget the reason for the Christmas. All right, the next one, verse 20. Um, remember, the shepherds had already been visited by angels, if you read in Luke a little earlier. 
They were basking in the glory of sights and sounds that hadn't been witnessed in 400 plus years. I mean, <coughs> God had been silent for over 400 years. There hadn't been a prophet speak to them for that amount of time. Like they were without word from God. And when God shows up, through the, the messengers are giving this message, in the field, it's lit up and they sing to the shepherds. It would have been an amazing sight. That's what happens earlier. So then we get to verse, uh, well, verse 10. The angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. We've all heard it before. We all know this part of the story. What's significant about this? Probably we're not catching it. I bring you good news. The Savior has been born to you. This will be a sign to you. He is your Savior, your King, your Christ, your gift. It makes it personal to us. Sometimes we get caught up in the idea that um, Jesus so loved the world that we forget he gave his only begotten son for you. We forget about that. Pre-COVID, the way we did communion, the reason I choose that way for communion is because it's very intentional. It, it's, um, it's by intention is what they call it. Take the bread, dip it in the cup. But every person gets served individually. Every person gets their own because he is your king. He is your Messiah. He is your Christ. My kids, they love the gifts under the tree. In fact, we've learned we can't really put the gifts out and under the tree early. We have to wait. Not only is that helpful that we don't have to wrap everything all, you know, do it all at once. But those kids, man, they go and they find their gift and they shake their gift and they feel their gift. They're so excited that they have a gift that's just for them. They see their name written down. They get excited about it. They love it. They want to know what it is. We all get excited about a gift for us as much as we make. And, I, and listen, as a dad, I love to sit back and I love to watch my kids. I love to see them open their gifts. I love that they get excited about it. I love it. But also it's pretty nice whenever I see my name written on something. Even if it's a child who has made something for me. It's mine. It's my gift. It's made just for me. I read a quote this week that said, we have become a generation of people who worship our work, work at our play, and play at our worship. <coughs> Think about that. Worship our work, work at our play, and play at our worship. Leonard Sweet wrote this. Our pews are occupied people who want to be moved, but who don't want to move. We, we crave the experience of worship, but we're not working towards it. We want that relationship. We want that worship. We want that feeling, but we're not moving towards it. We just hope it finds us. But that's not the way our relationship with God works. My relationship with my wife would not be nearly as good as it was if I just sat on the couch every day or did my own thing or was my, and waited on her to bring the relationship to me. It's just not going to be good. We have to meet. We have to work together. We have to both be putting work into that relationship. 
Worship is what we were created for. I read that God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. He's most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. And here's the last one. Taking a little bit out of order. Proclaiming. The last focus on this day after Christmas on this scripture is about our response to the gift. We do not respond to this treasure when we keep it to ourselves. This treasure of Jesus, a response is not to only keep it. We have to proclaim it. Are we proclaiming it? Are we telling people? And listen, don't get twisted on it and think that I'm like, or that I think the scripture is teaching us to go stand on the corner. If you want to stand on the corner, do that. But I'm not saying that's not what God's calling us all to do necessarily. You need to figure out what it is that God's calling you to do, how he's asking you to proclaim it. It might be just talking to your neighbor one-on-one. -on -one. It might be standing on the street corner. It might be standing up here. But whatever it is that God is calling you to do to proclaim it, then do that. We have to proclaim it. How can we keep silent? I don't know if you guys ever heard of a, a man named Luigi Tarisio. Luigi Tarisio. He was a great collector of violins. Um, they found him in his, in his house one morning. He had passed away. They, they didn't know. He, and it was a very humble house. It looked and appeared like he had nothing. But as they went through his estate, they found 246 exquisite violins. And if you know anything about violins, they can be very expensive. Exquisite violins. And they looked through his house and they, he had violins stacked in different rooms and in the attic and just in different places. And they found that the most valuable violin was in a drawer in an old rickety bureau in his bedroom. They opened the drawer and there's this violin and it was a Stradivarius that had not been played for 147 years. And this guy, while he had this wealth of violins that the world really wanted to hear, he left it locked in a drawer in his house, wasn't telling anybody. And there he died. I think the point is we've got to tell people the good news. How many of us are like Teresio? In our love of the church, we forget to give the good news away. We love the church and we love what's going on and we love and we love, but we're not giving it away. The good news is that the story of Christ, while we cherish it, cannot be kept to us alone. Take a lesson from the shepherds. When the shepherds went away on that first Christmas, they proclaimed the good news to everybody. To close today, I'm going to read this scripture out of Isaiah 9. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. This is Isaiah 9, chapter 2, I mean, chapter 9, verses 2 and 6. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. I think for us today, we need to remember this. 
Christmas Day has passed, but Christmas is not over. Imagine Christmas is over. All the programs have been performed. All the pictures have been taken. The carolers are done singing. The holiday parties have come and gone. The presents are unwrapped. And the big dinners have all been eaten. The Christmas music is turned off. The family's headed back home. Someone from work is on the phone. The kids have a practice to get to. The house needs to be cleaned. The bills still need to be paid. The groceries are running low. The stock market is still down and up and down. The TV is still on. The news is still worrisome. Life just keeps going as if Christmas never happened. But it did happen. Look around. The church is full of family and friends and laughter. Because the baby is still the Savior. And the Savior is still the gift held out to a world still looking for joy, an earth still waiting for peace, and the peaceful still sing in wonder of the God who gave his son and the son who gave his life to add us to his family and one day welcome us home. Imagine Christmas is over. But remember that it really happened. And it changed everything.